Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. We left off last time, give a brief illustration on a courtroom. We were in a courtroom last time. And what we were discussing is the idea that that if a prosecutor, uh, a prosecution has laid all of its case on the on the testimony of a single witness, that if that witness's testimony falls apart at any point, um, the case will be thrown out. And that's very important. And the reason I want to make a connection to that is the idea of a single flaw. Anyone who's spent any time um, talking with atheists or non-believers in general, it's actually permeated through the entire society, probably always has been. It's um, the concept that you're going to run into over and over is this concept of a single flaw. What the non-believer has really wanted to do, dating back forever, um, is to find a single error. And really, you just need a single error. As I was saying, with the in the in the case of the uh, in the case of the courtroom, it's just one flaw. They didn't have to get all ten mistaken, but they needed. It had to be proven that it was erroneous on one level. And it's the same thing with the Bible. I want you to think for a second. And we were talking about how Satan couldn't be the villain, and how that plays out. Well. If you were to talk to a believer, any believer, and to say, you know, does Satan hate the Word of God? Clearly he hates the Word of God. There's no doubt about it. In fact, we, we established quite a while back that not only does he hate the Word of God, but he manipulates and changes the Word of God all the time. That's locked in his nature because that's the sin he committed when he fell. His heart was lifted up by the multitude of his traffic. He trafficked in God's Word. And... Um, I want to give you an example of what I mean by that. I've had several in my life. And here's a real-life example of what I mean by how Satan trafficked in the directions and the Word of God as was given to him by God. And what he would do as far as manipulating it and transferring it when he shared it with the other angels. Any of, any of my listeners can probably think of an example of an employer who did this, a manager. who Managers are notorious for doing this. Basically, it's as simple as this nowadays. Say, gather everyone. Everyone gather around. Okay, all right. So listen, um, now bear in mind, this manager just wants to get something done. He just wants to get something done. He just wants to get, you know, there's some project he wants done or there's some results that he wants to get. And what he'll do is he'll say, okay, everyone gather around. Um, now, um, so I got an email and, uh, and basically, uh, you don't even have to say it's from. And what we need to be doing is this. Now, that's great if that if he actually got an email. But if he didn't get an email, then everything he said is made up. A long time ago, um, I can give you an example. When I was in the military, this was quite common. When they wanted you know, a rather large project done or something, and it was like a Monday, to gather everyone together and say, okay, so on Friday, 
you know, the colonel's coming through. The colonel's coming through for an inspection. The colonel's coming through to inspect the gear, inspect the, you know, inspect the, uh, we were in a big hangar, or, or you know, it's coming in, coming, so we're going to do a clean sweep. We're going to clean everything up. We're going to, we're going to put everything, everything, and we're going to count everything. We're going to bam, ba da ba and boom, guess what? Friday showed up, no lieutenant colonel. He wasn't coming, never was going to come in. But you use, you use that title, you use the higher up, you use the higher rank than yourself to confirm what, you're, what you want to get done. Um, and that's what Satan did. He would go to the angels and twist what God had said or say things that God hadn't said. And you see that like I've established in this thing. Hath, hath the Lord said. Hath God said. He always attacks the word. Remember we established that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and a hatred of God are in the nature of man. Man doesn't want anything to rule over him. He pursues that which is lustful to his eyes. He pursues that which is lustful to his flesh. And he pursues that which makes him look good in the eyes of others. Esteems him. Esteems himself. So what we've established that, that manipulation with the word. And in there we see the attack of Satan continuously. He always comes in opposition to the word of God. He always comes in opposition to the word of God. Now we see in the temptation of Jesus when he was 40 days in the wilderness that Satan came to him. At a point of weakness, Satan came to him and he had three temptations. And all of those temptations had to do with was the word of God. To get him to disobey the word of God. To try to get him to disobey, manipulate, or misuse the word of God. Why? Because that's what's locked into him. He knows that's the cataclysmic results. He knows that he knows what will result if you do. He knows what happened when he did it. He knows what would have what happened when Adam and Adam female did it. And he knows what would have happened to Jesus had he done it. But I want you to see that that's far from pushing vehicles off the road, causing world destructions while he's tempting, while he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, who was, who was in Rome? You know, and around the world, creating battles and mayhem, war and violence and all of the things that were happening. Because those were going on at that time and they've been going on before that and they've been going on for 2000 years. So I want you to see that the point of difference, we don't know. We don't know that that Lucifer's original sin as far as manipulating the word of God, lying about it or making something up. We don't know that it was massive. It could have been one action, one act. And we can assume that because that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve, male Adam and female Adam. They made one error, one mistake of the word of God, one vile, a single violation of the word of God, and they were cast out. In the same way that a single violation of the word of your testimony in a courtroom will get the case thrown out. And in exactly the same way that the atheists today look for that single error in the scriptures. Now, many of them believe they found it, but it's not true. Minds far greater than the current brights, the current atheists that we have today, what they call far greater than that tried and they all failed. But they do know. 
that Satan doesn't have to prove the entire Bible is wrong any more than the atheists have to prove that it's wrong. They just need a single error. A single, irrefutable error. And that error, all by itself, would be enough to create the shadow of a doubt on the entirety of the scriptures. That everything could be cast out. Everything could be ignored. By that one flaw. It's interesting that after all these years, Satan has not been able to accomplish a single flaw. He hasn't been able to establish that. You know, and it's common when you say that, we say, well, okay, well, some, you know, that God's total control over all the, you know, he's got total control of all events and they must come to pass. This idea is, you know, you have to understand, this idea is false because if that was true, then Satan would merely be a puppet. If everything was going to happen and Satan was had no choice but to play his role, then how could Satan be held responsible for it? I want you to think about that. Because there's a point right there where a lot of Christians never actually stop. They say, well, okay, you know, obviously the commands of God have to be obeyed. He spoke it, it's going to happen. Let there be light, boom, there was light. Let there be, right? And then they say, okay, so nothing can stop it and nothing can, can overcome it. It's going to be fulfilled. But at the same time, you have a devil who's been on this planet since day one. And that devil has obviously desired to create mayhem around the single error, whether in actions or facts concerning the word of God. And if that was true, it's a ridiculous notion because then God would simply mean it would it would simply mean that God is using him as a prop or a pop. God tempts and tests no man with evil. God is light. In him there's no shadow of turning. There's no darkness in him at all. He is not and does not need the actions and activities of Satan to accomplish his will. But here's where you're going to find a bit of a challenge. God's will is going to be accomplished. And Satan is going to be there the entire time. And Satan is obviously in opposition to the word of God. So why does that situation not change? Right? There's also a group of people, I mean, you know, and if you think about the camp of people who believe that Satan is this mastermind, you know, that he's this mastermind and he's working strategically and he's doing this and doing that all the time, trying to undermine and trying to destroy the word of God. I mean, if you talk to Christians, he's beside, behind every atheist thrust. He's behind everything that's going on, all the false religions, all of these things that are going on that are in opposition to God and his word. Satan's behind them all. You know, and then, of course, you could also make the argument, well, it's just a brute force attack. It's his nature. He's just engaged in some brute force attack that he's just, you know, damn the torpedoes, hang on for all, you know, it's just that he's just, you know, he's just white knuckling it, that he is just driving as hard as he can, trying to accomplish as much mayhem as he can. Well, that's not strategic. That's not a mastermind. No mastermind in military service or structure or whatever is going to use that, to use that effort. 
especially now you have to say that it's never worked and he's somehow this strategic mastermind is incapable of adjusting his plan. Did you ever notice that? There's no adjustment to his plan. And they said, well, it's his nature. Okay, so his nature is to fail. His nature is to, right? Because you have to understand the only other answer that you're going to come up with until we get to where we're going is that God is simply, it can't be changed. That God is moment by moment, imminently present in every single situation on this earth, causing it to come to pass. Well, if that's true, then that means that God is directly got his hands involved in the destruction, the mayhem, that that was all part of his plan, that he would therefore be able to be held accountable for that. And there's a lot of people that think he is some terrible earthquake or something, some horror around the world. And it's just, why God? You know, why God? Why have you allowed this? And the Christian, of course, they have no clue. They just sit back and they say, well, this happens when, when, you know, it's, when this happens, it's good. And when that happens, it's bad. The Scottish used to call that haps. It's a pursuit of happiness. The idea is when you have a, something, you know, favorable happens to you, you're happy. When something unfavorable happens to you, you're unhappy. And the Christian finds himself just sort of trying to mill through and, you know, end up with more haps than unhaps at the end of it. So they can look back and they say, well, I'm happy. You have to add to this the compounded problem that if God was behind all of these events, behind all of these activities and situations, then why is the church, for the most part, such a dismal failure? And the church is a failure. We're going to get into that and some of the issues. There's a reason why. I'm not coming to you today, brother. I'm not coming to you today, sister, to point out all the flaws. This isn't some negative podcast where I just sit and rant and rave at the problems. And other. I've told you very early on, I don't debate. I don't sit down. I don't criticize. I don't complain. I left all that stuff. I'm not saying I didn't want some. I'm saying I left all that stuff behind me years ago. It is fruitless. It is fruitless. It will take you out of the will of God. Not permanently for that day, though, definitely. You see these online warriors, they feel it's, you know, self-appointed, self-anointed. They feel it's their mission in the church to root out and unroot and pull up and turn over, bust up and flip every single thing that they that they feel disagrees with them and you can go on the other side of that camp and you got the same bunch over there and they're swinging back and forth the other way you can pop in and pop out of these websites and pop in and pop out of these groups and they're arguing over the same things it's like it's like a cartwheel it's like a ferris wheel you know it's like you put it's like you put you know the you know this this doctrinal issue in one of the carts and then another doctrinal issue in another cart and as they kind of go by and then they just keep rotating they go up and they go down and they go up and they go down and they have the same arguments over and over and over the church has been arguing about silliness for hundreds and hundreds of years has never resolved any of it and what seems to go unnoticed almost more than that is that god has done nothing about it God has not corrected a doctrine. God has not gone in and, you know, and just uprooted. And leaders have suffered the consequences of their own personal sins, but that has not negated the doctrines and beliefs of that group. 
I've looked at this long and hard for years and years, and God has never... You can go back, and we had denominations that were here four or five hundred years ago, and they're still there. Every single city has one. You can go into that church. They dress this way. They talk this way. They act this way. You can go 100 miles up the, up the, up the road and go into another one, and you're going to see the same flavor, same whatever. And they believe they're right. You can go over here, over there, over the other place, and everyone thinks they're right. And they're all saying something different, so something has to be right and something has to be wrong. And this group is bashing that group, and this group over here is bashing the other group. And they say, well, look at Satan creating all this division and, 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 you know, and, and disunity in the church. Busy guy busy guy i mean if you were to if 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 the devil that of the most of the modern christian was actually real he would be busier than anything that ever i mean my goodness gracious who would want that job who would want that job and 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 he's had no success to this point <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about insanity. So the people who say, well, you know, he's this strategic mastermind, you know, that he's putting together all of these. He's got a plan for this group over here and he's got a plan for here. And then he's trying to up uproot this political party. And he's trying to, you know, he's trying to at the same time, he's in there causing division amongst the volunteers at the local hospital. And he's he's all over the place. This guy here, I mean. Think about it for a second. Think about that job description. Who'd sign up for that? Especially when you know and you've had a, based upon proof or, proof and evidence already that everything you've done to this point has failed. Everything you've done to this point has failed. And then they say, well, it's his nature. Well, his nature is not that of a strategist. His nature is not that of a political mastermind. His nature is not any of those things. And you know why? Because he's not the villain. He is not the villain. He's not the villain at all. And I'm going to say here, and we're going to explain it in this next podcast or two, how not only is he not the villain, but he's a servant of the villain too. He's no freer from the real villain than man is. He released something when he was cast down to this earth. And that is a death principle called the law of sin and death. And it wiped out. The law of sin and death, in the simplest terms I can explain it, are when God's life, his presence, is not there. It A speck of it isn't there. When God takes his hands completely off of something, completely off of something. I want you to picture you're standing in the kitchen of your house and you've got a glass of water and you're holding that glass of water straight out with a straight arm and it's full to the top. And as long as you hold that water, as long as you hold that glass, not one drop of it's going hit to the, hit the floor. You could move it here, you could move it here, you could set it on this, and you could set it on the other thing. You could do whatever you wanted with it. But as long as it was under your control, as long as it was under the strength and dexterity of your hand connected to you, nothing would happen to it. 
And when the Bible says that he's upholding all things by the word of his power, that's what it means. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, God is absolute light. In him, there is no darkness. So I want to put for a second, if that water for some reason changed or did something or committed something, turned into something else, was no longer simply water. And you're standing in your kitchen with your arm outstretched, holding it up. You let go of that glass and it is going to fall straight down and it is going to smash on the floor. And the problem with the church, the problem with individual believers, is they do not fully understand the depth of Lucifer's fall and what was released when he fell and the depths of man's fall. The the difference immediately is that for for Lucifer, there was no redemption. It fell and ruin ensued. He was cast back down to this earth and with him was the release a complete and total. You have to understand the, the ambassador, we talked about that, the government head, the envoy of the earth, Lucifer, in charge of a, of a multitude of angels that was overseeing the development of the earth, the early earth, what we'd call a prehistoric earth, full of foliage and dinosaurs and life, fell. And when he did, death absolutely enveloped this earth. No redemption. No redemption possible. When we see the creation of man and God's working with man, you can't see that in any way in your mind as a continuation of the original creation. It's in spite of. It's in spite of. It's in, a good example of that would be, let's picture that there's a house. Just a house. It's just sitting out in the middle of this field. Just a big house all by itself. Bricks, stones, glass, the whole, the whole show. You put a thousand pounds of dynamite in it. I don't know what a thousand pounds of dynamite is. But you put a whole bunch of dynamite in it and you blow it up. That's what happened to this planet when Lucifer fell. The pieces, the fragments, all of it. Still here, but scattered all throughout that field. Formless and void. And darkness covering the face of the earth. No God there. No light. No light. No presence of God. On the first day, God said, let there be light. On the fourth day, we see the sun, the moon, and the stars being revealed. So what was the light? (laughs) The earth was formless and void, and darkness, darkness covered the earth. I believe that that darkness was natural darkness. No sun, no moon, no sky. How do I know that? Because God reveals them. God, it, he, he says on the fourth day, it says on the fourth day, God created the sun and the moon. I believe they revealed them. They were there. They were now revealed. 
Something cataclysmic had happened here. But in back to this, on the first day, he said, let there be a light. There was light. He said, let there be me. I'm back. I'm back on the scene. I'm back on the scene where a cataclysmic rebellion had taken place a long time ago. I've come back to the planet that is mine. I've come back to this planet and I'm going to build something beautiful. Um, I think the Bible says basically the same thing as that. He's going to do it again. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to build something beautiful. And the temple of God is going to be upon this earth. And God is going to be with man and man is going to be with God. This is nothing new. This earth has been restored. You've been restored and you'll be restored further. That's what God does. He creates a thing, gives that thing a very simple guideline of freedom that it can operate within for willful obedience. I do not care if he created a hundred billion creations with a hundred billion entities and species of people upon them. When he turned them loose and gave them freedom, they would all rebel. If he gave them total freedom, they would all rebel. Because the thing which he creates would be beautiful and amazing because it would have his characteristic all over it. It would be full of life. There would be a place with no death. And in a very short period of time, that creation, just like Lucifer and Adam, male and female, the question would start to develop in their mind slowly at first with increasing speed. Why do I need him? And that's what they basically call a non-confidence vote. I don't need to be subject to him. I don't need to worship him. I don't need to be with him. I don't need his rulership. I don't need anything about him. And rebellion would be imminent. It wouldn't matter how many creations that he created. And someone says, well, yeah, but two-thirds of the angels didn't follow Satan in his rebellion. Two-thirds of the angels were kept from falling. He, in his sovereign will, did not allow them to be fall. They were no more moral than the angels that fell. There wasn't one scrap of morality in the angels that didn't rebel than the ones that did. The only difference was God upheld the ones that didn't rebel, and he didn't uphold the ones that did rebel. He was free to do both, to do with his creation as he pleased. A drunk in an alleyway in a large major city in North America today, absolutely covered in filth, 25, 30-year alcoholic who's done nothing but look for the bottom of a bottle for the entirety of that time is no less righteous than the highest angel in heaven today. The difference between the two is the gift, glory, and grace of God. If God was to take his gift, glory, and grace off an angel that is in heaven today, it would fall to the depths of, de- uh, 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 of the demonic as fast as Lucifer fell, and as fast as Adam and Adam fell, male and female. We're going to pick this up next time. Thank you for spending some time with me on His Light and Life as we're journeying through. We are definitely on a, we are definitely going someplace. Um, it's vital that we lay a foundation on some simple truths first, and we will do that. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.